please remain seated until the boat has come to a complete stop and you are asked to disembark. Cue a bunch of other text uh, in other languages that I cannot, I do not dare repeat. It's a world of hope and a world of fears. Oh no, stop. Not now. I couldn't think of anything else to tie to the Great Mouse Detective because, you know, there's not a lot of Disneyland rides that don't already have existing properties that are set in uh, in London. Yeah. Other than like Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Uh, the Sword in the Stone, which doesn't have a ride. It um, has that sort of pre-show thing. Yeah, I just opted for it. it's a small world. It's the easy way. It's the easy way out. And it does actually. You actually do go through England, didn't? No, no, they didn't. You do go through England. No, I, I, I yeah, do, but I, I remember they put a bunch of Disney characters in it. Oh yeah, you see Alice there. That's right. Yeah, Alice is there now. Um, hey, uh, Alan, when we were at Disneyland, did we go on it's a small world? I can't remember. We did. That's where we. That's where we uh, got distracted by the bottle that was floating alongside us. Oh yeah, that's right. The epic bottles. That was good. That was good times. Gosh. Was and then we rescued weird. the bottle. Did we keep that bottle? Did we just chuck it? Uh, we kept it. Who ha- who, who has, has it? it? Uh, you guys do. It's around here somewhere. Then. Is it? I think so. It was like Dasani or something. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Animusings. It's a podcast where we talk about Disney rides. A little bit, but then mostly we talk about the Walt Disney Animation Studios canon. The year is 1985? Six. Six. Okay, I was close. 1986. Uh, we are still reeling from the Black Cauldron, and along comes a little movie called The Great Mouse Detective. I am your host, Kayla Berry. This is my co-host, David King. Hello. And we got a special guest, a guest that we adore and love, and he's a national treasure. Internet sensation, Alex Chorney. I mean, Alan Chaney. That is me. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I am on the show. Um, as soon as they announced that they were doing this show, I said, sign me down. Sign me down for this episode. And uh, I think I also mentioned another one of my favorites and also uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um <laughs> Do you, are you gonna but, leave that? Yes. One? Are you gonna leave uh, that I, one a surprise I, or? Oh, that one's home on the range. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Uh, no, uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna not gonna sit here and protect home on the range. Home on the range is garbage. No, it really is. <laughs> David has not seen home on the. No, range. No, I have seen home on the oh, range. Oh, you have. I saw it in. I saw it in theaters. You're an idiot. I know, but I was a babby at the time. I'm not a babby. No, you weren't. I wasn't a babby. I was like, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I was like, I want to go support animation because I heard this is the last uh, feature-length animated young, feature that's going to be anim- going to be drawn. He was young, dumb, and full of support for the Dis- Disney animation. I like Disney animation. <laughs> I don't want it all be CG. And then I now I and then I could see that they did this deliberately. Anyway, that's a, that's in the future. We're in 1986. We're already looking at the brink of disaster with Disney, and uh, now we have the uh, the Great Mouse Detective, uh, Kayla. This uh, is your moment, your shining, actually, shining moment. Before we get into the history of it, can we? Why don't we discuss our pers- our personal history? Ah, uh, okay, our personal history with this film. Alan goes first. Um, I saw this movie. Let's see, I was born in 1987, so probably when I was like two or three years old. I feel like I probably saw like the Rescuers around the same time. Yeah, that. And, be- and also, the Rescuers is kind of kind of boring. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, it's okay. But I'm much, I'm much for, I much prefer this film. This is one of, my, this is one of my two favorite Disney movies. Uh, though rewatching it this time, there, there is some stuff that stuck with me. Um, but 
there there is some stuff that was like kind of seeing for the first time with adult eyes. So S- same here, honestly. Um. Oh, I love this film. Like I grew up with this film. Me, I, I, me too. I have rewatched this film within the past few years. Like I like I know this film well. Like even when going into it, like nothing surprised me. I knew exactly what to expect and everything. I think there were a couple things like in terms of like having to pay attention to more details that I noticed. Mm. A, just a few. But for the most part I'm like I knew what to expect. I knew what to prepare for. I knew the music. I knew exactly what I was getting into cuz I yeah, I'm a fan of this film. I really am. Well, that makes 3 of us because I mean this uh th- I didn't own this movie, but it was a frequent I totally did. It was I a totally frequent did. it was a frequent re- frequent went rental. Um and uh one that stuck with me for its uh its its adventure, its atmosphere, its mood, its music. Everything about this movie is I I enjoy. And even coming back to it with a with a different set of eyes, uh, I still enjoy a lot of this uh, a lot of this movie. And uh, I still think it's very it holds up really, really well. Um, so I'm really I've been really looking forward to talking about it for that reason. So um, I, uh, I I guess uh, you're kind of bearing the lead here. Uh, whose eyes have you stolen? Uh, look, uh, I I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, it's it's kind of uncomfortable. It's, you know, I was wondering why your eyes suddenly look a little more bluer than normal. Yeah, it's, you know, remember that t- time I, I went to the, the hospital and I told you I was just getting a checkup and yet I was there for like three days. <laughs> I was like there for like three days and I had a bandage over my face <laughs> for another three days. <laughs> I told you I was just cosplaying uh, Stark <laughs> of Wrath. Uh, anyway, uh, Tell tell us a little about the Great Mouse Detective and its place in in history. So, uh, question, guys, uh, what was this uh, movie based off of? Uh, it was based off a series of children's books called uh, the The Great Mouse Detective, and close, but you are correct. Um, or or, Baz- or Basil of Baker Street. That is correct. That's the right answer. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised to learn this. I did not know this. I thought it was just oh, it's the mouse version of. Sherlock Holmes, and it still is the house version of Sherlock is, Holmes. But it to be actually, fair, yeah, to be fair, it absolutely is that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like, um, uh, it is. Uh, there were a, a set of children's book series called Basil of Baker Street by E. Titus, and um, that the first one came out in 1958. Um, around the time when they were making Rescuers, they were talking about um, creating a Sherlock animated film uh, using animals. And producer Joel Hale recommended, oh, let's, there's this one book series called Basil Baker Street. Let's use, why don't we use that as an adaptation source? But because they were working on the rescuers at the time, they were like, we're kind of already doing a mouse adventure story. We're neck deep in mice. Yeah, they're like, we, we, you know what? It's a bit too similar. Let's. let's They were, they were literally neck deep in mice at the time. They were surrounded, but they were just like, their heads were sticking out of a mass of squirming, uh, rodents. They're like, no more mice. Yeah, this, anime, this anime. Studios are pretty fed up. The <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the a story idea popped up again in 1982, and then it finally got approved. Um, in uh, 1984, uh, so we at that time, uh, Ron Miller was CEO, and then in 1984, he got replaced by Michael Eisner. Um, and then Eisner brought in um, 
Jeffrey Katzenberger to be the studio chairman. Mm hmm. So. Where's Frank Wells during all this? Uh, he's, his name doesn't get brought up. Oh, I guess it hasn't happened yet. Anyway. Uh, oh, uh, wait, wait. Is Frank Wells, that's the voice actor, right? No, no. You're thinking Frank Welker. Okay, yeah. Frank Wells was the other sort of like, the other sort of, sort of like that trio. It was Katzenberg, Eisner, and Wells that kind of helped pull the company up by its bootstraps. Well, a little Frank bit. Welker does come in yeah. to play on this. Well, of course, Frank, I, I'm not surprised yes. Frank Welker comes up, to, comes to play in this. But, um, anyway, um, so, for, uh, they, so they made the, they made like the basic film, you know, like, uh, had the animatics and they showed a, uh, a story real screening to, um, Eisner and Kassenberger. And they complained about how slow it was and ordered read rights. However, it was originally set for Christmas of 1987. Eisner said, no, 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 no. <laughs> our movie, our last movie, Black Cauldron, which we spent $44 million on, did not do well. We are not making that a mistake again. And whose fault is that? Said everybody looking pointedly at Jeffrey Katzenberg. And Katzenberg just shrugs because he can't admit to anything. So they slash in half to about $10 million, And uh, the release date gets moved up to July of 1986. Okay. So they only had one year to complete the film. Damn. Yeah. Luckily, wow. luckily, computers became very prevalent at this time, and using them was basically a lifesaver for them on this case. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, we had Bernie Mattinson and John Musker as the original directors, with um, uh, David Michener as uh, co-director and producer. However, Mattinson found both tasks as both director and producer to be very tedious so he decided i'm gonna step away and be producer although if you notice in the credits he's still director okay so that's why they brought in they're like okay we don't have much time and we got to get this done in a year and we only have 10 million uh about 10 million to spend so uh, ron clements gets brought on as an additional director um so i'm not sure if i want to say what what the response was. I will tell you this. The budget altogether was $14 million. Okay. But I think I'll wait to tell you what the response is oh, afterwards. How, it, how well it did? Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we could discuss this in then after the film and then afterwards go into. All right. Now comes the part where we talk about the film in detail. Yes. 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 Hey, you know? So uh, Vincent Price, just jumping in there with Vincent Price. Yeah. yeah. That's where Alan's... Vincent Price is this whole movie to me. In some <laughs> I ways. Just, um, he, he's just Vin, if, for those of you who don't know Vincent Price is uh, he, he voices the main villain in this film, Radigan. And uh, if, if you don't know, you, you know his voice yeah. because it is it is it is equal parts like scary, gay, and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> But within those three parameters, he is able to run the fu- run the full gamut of of emotion, mm-hmm. and uh, he's we, just incredible in this film. He is. Uh, one of the things we do with this, we usually start from like the beginning of the film, like we actually go st- like kind of scene by scene, uh, in the chronological order. So when we get to that, we'll let you. Uh, if you don't mind holding on. Uh, for your love of Vincent Price, to uh, wait till uh, we can, we are so it won't take us long to get to the part where we gush about Rat again. Yeah, I promise. He is Go- wor- okay. So 
because uh, it opens up actually. Radigan comes a lot about ten minutes in, but yeah, it begins with. Um, uh, we get a date. It's London, eighteen seventy nine. I think so. I can't remember. <laughs> It, it, or eighteen, or, or no, eighteen ninety seven. I yes, had the numbers. Yes, I had the yes. numbers mixed up. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's London, eighteen ninety seven. Uh, we have the Flaversham toy shop with Hiram Flaversham and Olivia Flaversham. And if you don't, I, Alan, I think you'll recognize Hiram's voice. That's Scrooge McDuck. That's uh, Alan yep, Young. Alan Young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who? One of his uh, one of his earlier roles because I think the I think he had initially voiced uh, Uncle Scrooge before this in like Mickey's Christmas Carol and he things did. like that. So, but here he is on who, a, in, who in uh, breaking away from stereotype, voicing a Scottish character. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, you're Scottish. We need you. He's basically the mouse version of Geppetto when you think about it, because he's you know a toy maker and oh. he's really good with gadgets and clockwork. Now, um, unlike Geppetto, he doesn't build puppets though. He builds gadgets and clockwork. So when they originally made Olivia, by the way, so Olivia is about she's young. She's probably like. Six, seven years old, something around She's that. She's a right? baby. She's a young one. Uh, She's they, adorable. They it really intended her to be an older potential love interest for um, Dr. Dawson, who is the Watson character in this. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, CEO Ron Miller said, you know what? Let's make her a little girl. So that way the audience can feel sorry for her. She would actually <laughs> make a legit, more legitimate victim, which I think is for the best anyway. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, that's fair because... It's not long after he's given she so so um so Hiram Hiram Flaversham gives her his daughter for her birthday a little wind up ballerina doll. It's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. And meanwhile, outside, a shadowy figure with a peg leg approaches. Yeah. This is uh we learn later. This is Fidget the Bat, voiced by uh, uh Candy. Candy Candido. Yeah. Voice acting veteran Candy Candy Candido. Yep. yep they were uh, looking. Or uh, they wanted a scary yet comical character with a raspy voice, and they went with him. Uh, and uh, the problem is, um, he had his voice was a little too low and slow, so they sped it up to. So that's why they chipmunked him. They kind of chipmunked him. They did kind of chipmunk him. So that because you actually hear his real voice. His real voice, by the way, is. Rem- Get off the stage, you bum. Yeah, that deep voice is his real deep... Like, God. I, I, I can't imagine talking to someone and then they're like, Hello, or I can't, I can't do it. Hello now, little flying eagle. Yeah, that voice. But, uh, yeah, that part, this whole part is scary. Basically, uh, you see this little girl get trapped in... Is, like, stuck in... Uh, uh, a cabinet, and she's watching as her father is basically being kidnapped, and it looks violent. It does. You see their shadows and stuff yes. getting thrown around. I also, I also want to bring up. I want to bring up here that this is the most jarring. Tra- First off, this movie is like only in like an hour and fifteen minutes long. Yeah, yeah, it's not that long. So it it goes from story beat to story beat, like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> my favorite part of that is it uh it goes it has the most freaking jarring transition between like this kind of terrifying scene of the father being kidnapped into just the happiest opening music on the planet yeah there is there is not a single pause nope between like <laughs> just a moment between where, like like violent thing 
frightened Olivia coming out like, Daddy, where are you? And her calling out into the night and then, like, wow. Mother, mother. Father, la, 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 tweet, 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 tweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Out of curiosity, before we go too much further, did, did the, did fidget busting through the window scare you as a child too, Alan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, which is funny. That part did not scare me. Late, there is a part later on that scared me more. But yeah, well, he's a scary looking. Is bat. it? Is it? Uh, is it uh, the uh, baby carriage? Yes, it is. That actually yeah. scared me more. No, that's way worse. Yeah. Um, and they build up to it a little, a little more. Like, even if, even though I was expecting, I was like, oh no, oh no. Oh no, because it, it is such a dread field. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Uh, so there's a lot. One of the things you'll notice I've noticed throughout this movie, they do a lot of freaking close-ups. Yeah, they do. They actually do. It's it's kind of cool. But I dig it. by the way, the music we got here is by uh, Henry Mancini, who you would know as the music guy for the Pink Panther, as well as a bunch of other stuff that I probably should look up. But like, he is awesome. Yes. Um, and uh, then we. Delve into we. I guess we have um, the Sultan uh, giving his monologue. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's that's wrong. Uh, his name. <laughs> sorry, I'm a. D- um. <laughs> uh. So. This music's. I mean, despite the jarringness, this music is is fantastic. Okay. Oh yeah. He also did the music. Oh, yeah, for, it's great. He did the music for Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um. Uh. He also did. Uh looking through his discography right now um, um like uh it, it's a lot of pink panther geez that's did, what he's one of the things that's what he's like most well known he did the baby elephant walk yeah he did shot in the dark yeah shot well that's pink panther still oh is it pink yeah shot in the dark is by uh pink, is a part of the pink panther series yeah okay so anyway um yeah, we be, we go to uh, Doctor Dawson, who is he's, he's writing in the same. So, so here's the interesting thing about this movie. I actually want to discuss this with go both ahead. of you. Um, everything in this movie, like all the characters, all the mouse characters and insect, or you know, all the different animal characters, live in very cl- close proximity to their human counterparts, maybe without realizing it. Because, like, here's Dawson coming in on the same carriage that I'm pretty sure has Doctor Watson in it. Oh, that's too. clearly Doctor Watson. Um, and he is Dr. Dawson. That is, that is to me, maybe one of the weakest aspects of this film. Oh, the side by side Um, counterpart with, uh, with Sherlock Holmes. It it almost, it's almost too obvious. The comparison is almost too obvious for them to also be like, get it. It's like Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can. I mean, they're not the only characters subject to it. I mean, the fact that, that the, 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 the queen, the queen mouse is celebrating her diamond jubilee at the same time Queen Elizabeth is. Or queen, or no, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, Queen Victoria. Yeah. Queen Victoria in Buckingham Palace. So. It, it's like, here's our counterparts, cause get it? Get it? Get it? Um, yeah, I, I didn't bother, it, I mean, it, it was so, I mean, it, when it did happen, it didn't, it was so subtle, or not, no, it wasn't subtle, but like, it wasn't made, like, they didn't. Yeah. It is. It didn't happen so often. Yeah, that it bothered me as much. But keep in mind, I'm I'm saying I'm saying that's the weakest part of this movie, and it's it it didn't really bother me. So like, no. it, this this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> and I, and I even and I even kind of appreciate them uh, 
digging up some archival audio of uh, Basil Rathbone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, I was actually going to say, one thing I, that gets established in this scene is, is you know, here's Dr. Dawson talking about how he's just come back from being a medic in Afghanistan. I'm like, man, what kind of, I mean, what kind of British colonial mouse stuff is happening in Afghanistan? Uh, um, by the way, this is, uh, <laughs> that's what, that is, that's why I said the Sultan. This is voiced by Val Benton, who will later go voice the Sultan in uh, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. As well as Santa Claus in uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have to. Um, But um, I get the impression that unlike his counterpart, who has been in London for a while, he hasn't. Because by the time we get... Because this this whole movie takes place over the course of one night. I would say about a couple nights. Okay, maybe two nights. I don't know. Because, like, I mean, we're confused about the timeline of this movie. Yeah. I know I feel like it's one night. You think it's all one night? I know Dawson says that it's the night before the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. So it has when he comes to, into it, London. It oh yeah, it has, has to be two nights then. Okay, um, which, which actually kind of shows how great of a detective Basil is. Jeez. Yeah. So so yeah, so he's kind of narrating, saying, "Oh, he's looking for a place to stay," and then. He, um, well, I, I started to say, I think it was established that John, that because of the timeline, um, Dawson's just gotten back, but I'm pretty sure Watson's been well established because he and Holmes are having a conversation later. You hear them, you see their shadows, you hear the conversation with the Basil Rathbone audio, like they've been old friends for a while. So this yeah. isn't like the first night that Watson's been in, in London. So anyway, um, uh, so he hears uh, a girl cry inside of a shoe, by the way. Um, I want to bring up the animation here. Um, this is, a the animation, okay, it's not terrible, don't get me wrong, it's... It fluctuates. It fluctuates. There is... Sometimes um, they, nothing, sometimes nothing casts a shadow, sometimes shadows are there and are exquisitely done. Like, it's bizarre. As well, another, another thing is the layering is kind of obvious. So, like... Not as obvious as the Black Cauldron. No, it's so awful in the Black Cauldron, but, like, in, um... Here, you, you, when the characters move, or if something's gonna move, you clearly see which animated feature, or which one, uh, which artwork is animated, cause it's so vastly different from what the background is. And the backgrounds are lovely, don't get me wrong, it's just a we, it's just a very obvious layer. Colors, colors are a little flat in places, but it, that, yeah. and that's, if it's flat, this is the most minor, minor, minor of criticisms, yeah. honestly, because <laughs> as you get in, you get used to it, and the movie starts to feel really, really like seamless to a degree yeah especially like the and later the, parts the, when it gets into the action scenes you don't notice it yeah i mean i you get used to it it was just at the beginning i was like oh that's different but maybe we're just nitpicking i don't know yeah i i mean for me it's a little <laughs> weird i don't know what did you think alan <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah um i i uh I, I also knew going into this this was made in a year and it, it, it does show in, it does show in some points. It looks damn good for a movie made in only a year, though. Yeah, for the, yeah. for for what they had to deal with, yeah. Um, but better than Black, Black Cauldron. Black Cauldron had so many years, and they had forty four million. There is no excuse. Just um, better story, better setting. Seriously. Um. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> Dawson finds Olivia in a boot, and then Olivia on Doctor Gaston's liver pills. 
By a box way, of Dr. Gaston's so, liver pills. Gaston was not realized as a character at this point. He, <laughs> funny no. enough, this was like the, the relative of an animator, and he's just like, oh yeah, I'll name him after my relative. I'm assuming that name gets brought up again for Beauty and the Beast, of course, but <laughs> yeah, no, they, they were not preparing Beauty and the Beast quite yet. I figured. But... Um, so Gaston was not formed at this point. Of course. So... Uh, she mentions, like, oh, I'm trying to find Basil of Baker Street, because he's known as the best detective, she's, like, in tears, but he feels sorry for her, so he helps, he walks with her to go find Basil of Baker Street. He's got not much to do, he's just there, doing, like, he just got out of war, so, what does he care? Um, and he, he, he wants to help this poor girl. So they go over, and to Basil of Baker Street's, uh, Flats or two two one B Baker Street two two one B Sherlock Holmes is playing his violin in the window on a rainy night. I love I love the transitions in this movie. The scene like the scene the scene setting the scene establishing is there's some beautiful multi pane camera shots and setup shots that show like the backgrounds show the scenery show the setting and I love the way that they show like a bigger picture and then they ease into the smaller counterpart of two two one B. So, like, the, it, for the most part, one of the things I've noticed is, like, one, it has, other than that beginning, which is a weird, harsh... Transition? Yeah, with the, the, the like, horrifying to... It tets you up for a detective adventure! Ha-ha! Ho-ho! Ho-ho! Slappity-slap! Uh, <laughs> um, it sets you up for that type of adventure, but, let, er, eh, no, sorry, go, let me go back. But for the most part, yeah, there's a lot of good establishing shots, and the pacing in this is amazing. I mean, wow. This is probably one of the best-paced movies we have watched in terms of, like, going from scene to scene to scene. Um, I think, I think it, it, I mean, it goes from beat to beat to beat, like Alan was saying, but, like, honestly, um, I don't think that's a bad thing in this movie. It knows how, to, it knows how to pace itself. Which is where it comes uh, That being said... I I kind of I kind of would have liked a little more establishing just with Basil in general. Oh, like as a person? That's that's or as a character? Yeah, I could see that because when we first meet him, uh, so like uh, Dawson and Olivia go uh, like are into his place, and the first time we meet him, he's in a well kind of racist caricature disguise. He's some sort of like mouse mobster in like a Chinese robe. Yeah, but it yeah it'd be kind of. Nice, maybe to get a better sense of him. It is. I like. I kind of like the way he's introduced. Is just it's this weird eccentric, and I think that's important because he I mean, is a weird yeah. eccentric. He does have a very strong personality. The, like you, I'm, I'm all, unrelated to watching Great Mouse Detective. I've, I've been rewatching Sherlock recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the the BBC Sherlock. Yes, and they do so much of the same thing like every like start to an episode watson comes home and sherlock's doing something fucking crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 just the the mystique of the character i think basil is it is it weird to admit that compared to holmes basil is a much more balanced individual <laughs> yeah well yeah sherlock also had some issues like Drug issues. And- I, you don't see you don't see uh, Basil eating opium. No, and, or taking heroin. Yeah. Is this? Are we going to have to give this an explicit as well? No, this, no, no. This is just this is just a fact. This is just a ma- this is just the times. This is just the times. This is just the times of the eighties. Yeah, but he uh, does smoke. He does smoke. Oh, 
He, uh, not that that's a weird. Not that not that that's too weird or anything. Well, one of the things I do appreciate is like you actually see Olivia like looking around his room and realizing he has some weird experiments going on. There's a lot of cool things. It's like you can tell he's got like a chemistry gadget thing with all the pipes and and the tubes. He's got like the the teapot and the the bellows attached to it. He is. I, I he's lo- in, he's inventive. Oh yeah, he's a very strong personality. Very like, and it, it's clearly it's Sherlock, but like as a mouse, as a mouse, yeah. Um, and he's able to, um, basically identify, like, oh, you're clearly a doctor, you just got back from Afghanistan, was able to figure that out by just, like, looking at little things. That's an important part. That's how they meet. Um, here's the thing, though, my, okay, uh, actually, one character I do kind of find weaker, and as we go on, so we got Dawson, right? Dawson's a doctor who served in, like, He, he was He was a military doctor, yeah. A medic, a field medic. Have you noticed how a little bit incompetent he is throughout this movie? Despite yeah. being a war doctor? Like, it, it, it's almost, it's like, it, it's one, th- like, for the most part, I didn't e- really think about it as a kid, because I thought, oh yeah, that's his personality, he's clearly just a no, very... There, there is this moment later where, where, like, there's this moment later in the film where, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, but that's this fine. is just to accentuate your point. Um... Where, uh, when the girl gets t- taken, and, uh, Basil was specifically like, keep your eye on the girl. And Basil starts to scold him, but then Dawson, like, has on a sad face, and, and it's like, oh, we need to save the girl. And, uh, Basil, like, feels sympathy and stops his scolding. And I'm like, no, you fing tell him. You fing tell him he was supposed to do his job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's interesting, too, because I think one of the few bits where, where Dawson actually does some proper detective work happens in that part. But otherwise, he's just kind of there. Yeah. Dawson's just kind of there. And that's kind of unfortunate. Because, you know, in as it was... I mean, you're rewatching Sherlock, and we've read the stories. I mean, Watson actually did stuff. You know, John Watson was a yeah. was a competent. Yeah, he, he one of the things. Character. Yeah, one of the things about Watson is like, um, he always saw the big picture. Yeah. Where Sherlock always focused on the minute details, and again, that's because he was skilled at. It. That's how he would figure out. Oh, this is based on these details of what I see off you. This is what I can deduce. Where he's like, uh, well, it's just this here. Let me like he he had he was able to be more grounded and. And because he was a war doctor, he was able to go on these adventures with him with that, with, with ease. I mean, I feel like, um, Sherlock does a really good job showing this. Like, yes. I, I love Watson in that TV show. But for, for this, yeah, that's why with Dawson, he's, I think he's a bit weaker in that case. I, I, if they would have said that he was just a medical doctor, like a regular, like, London medical doctor and not a war doctor, I could have believed it. Every you time know, you say the war doctor, I just think of John Hurt. Though, I know, so. <laughs> I know. Uh, not just a doctor who served in war. I would have believed that, but I don't. Like if he, but he's not. He's a war doctor. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, either way, well, we don't even if he actually saw combat. I mean, we don't know what the situation's like. He, he just he's, he was he was yeah. But I mean, the British British colonial empire was like established in. Afghanistan at the time. For all we know, it, he was just there doing random doctor work. He never, maybe he never saw combat in any way. So, um, he was a military doctor. 
but not a war doctor necessarily in my mind. But I mean, that's I mean that might be different for for Watson. But we're talking Dawson. We don't know what that political situation there is in M- Mouse Afghanistan. That's true. Okay, okay. But uh, Basil shoots some pillows, and then he matches the bullets, and then he gets really mad because the bullets don't match. It's a really interesting little like just being dropped in the middle of something, and we never find out exactly what he's trying to like discern. But it's hilarious. But he, so he starts playing the violin, all sailing sad for himself, because he's a very extreme personality. You, I really, you, the thing is, this has kept persist, like, uh, consistent throughout the whole thing. It's like, if he gets disappointed or down, he just stays down unless something sparks him. Yeah, he's a, he, he does, he's, he's a creature of extremes. Oh, yeah. Basil. Like, you really get that. Um, yeah. So you got Olivia trying to tell her, tell him, like, my dad's gone, and he's like, eh, no, I, I don't care, let me mope. And then she's like, he was taken by a bat. And he goes, fidget, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and that's when he explains, Professor Rattigan. You know what I love about this bit? He's got a picture of Rattigan above his fireplace. <laughs> Just a framed... <laughs> it's framed! Po- posed for... A framed, <laughs> like, clearly posed for picture of Radigan. Not to mention, when, the, when you get one close-up of the picture where the lightning's flashing, he's you see him smiling with teeth, but every other time you see the painting, the port, or the picture, it, it has no teeth showing. It's spooky, I like it. It is. And he starts talking about how he's a genius, the Napoleon of crime, and, uh... And you know, Basil, like, Basil's, a, you could tell Basil's a little obsessed. Oh, but then more you, than a little obsessed. But with the then professor. we, it's like we get a, we sl- like sneak away, and then we slowly go into where Radigan's hideout is. He's in a barrel in a wine cellar that's and, been converted into his like hideout. And then we see Radigan, and all right, we can gush about Radigan now. It's Vincent Price, everybody! Yay! He is a He's so good. He is wow. Like okay, first off. Um, Even louder! What's that? <laughs> okay, first off, well, okay, I need to get this in. First off, Vincent Price said this this is his favorite role of all time. And Hell yeah! Not only that, he said he was ecstatic because this was his dream. He had always wanted to be a voice of a character in a Disney movie. And then, not only that, because it's Vincent Price, of course they, like, record him doing his voice... The animator sketched his exaggerated Shakespearean gestures and input it into the character. Have you noticed? So, um, when you watch him, you, like, if you watch Radigan, you're, you don't think Vincent Price unless you force yourself to. Like, you just think Radigan. Yeah. Like, it's weird. It's it's clearly him doing his just normal Vincent Price. I think it's I think but it's because it's, it's like you think of Vincent Price and you think of kind of a more reserved, dark and spooky Vincent Price. This is a flamboyant, um, over the top Vincent Price. That's true. And this is um, and it's amazing. Vincent Price, you could tell, is just having so much fun doing this role. Yeah, it, it, every word he says is dripping with like the joy he's having. With this part, he really makes this character. Oh yeah, I. So per, also, the character itself is fantastic. He is truly like, he really is like the criminal mastermind. He is the great, or the world's greatest criminal he of is, all. Yes, uh, very, very obviously based off of Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is Basil's Moriarty. This is Basil's Moriarty, and um, 
<clears throat> so there are only three songs in this whole movie, and two of them are villain songs. Just because, let's be honest, we got Vincent Price singing. What else are you going to do? Right. I mean, I'll just touch real briefly on the fact that before this, we get some foreshadowing because we see Flaversham is still his prisoner and is building. Yes. Oh, we should get probably begin that. So. So, yeah, he's building some sort of automaton. Yeah. With the levers and stuff, and it's pouring tea. And uh, he says he needs it done by tonight's Jubilee. Um, Radigan says that. And, of course, Flaversham is a moment of rebellion where he tries to break it. And he's like, you can do what you want with me, but I won't be part of this madness. And he's like, oh, very well, then. I'll just have to bring your daughter around here. I kind of, Here's the thing. I love that he utilizes that toy he gave her. By the way, that toy is a, is a weirdly great tool. Because one, it shows his talent. Two, it shows his love for his daughter. And three, it's utilized to basically symbolize, I like... You do this or I'm going to basically kill your daughter. Exactly. So it's like, what a great way to use, like, something like this one item. I don't know. He's menacing. He is menacing. But in the most delightful way. Uh, by the way, I, it just processed. Vincent Price is, is arguing with Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. Process that. That does happen in this movie. It's Vincent Price argues with Scrooge McDuck. So, Zigzag is arguing with... Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Fun. Ah, so that was another character that Vincent Price voiced. We maybe someday in a in some bizarre what? timeline we can talk about as a one-off of uh, the, the Thief and the oh, Cobbler. Oh, no, no, we're doing a thing with Richard Williams at some point. Oh, yeah. and that Because that's his baby. That was. I want to talk about his performance <clears throat> as Zigzag. Oh yeah, that's gonna be. But good. uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, we- let's just jump ahead to the 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 song. Yeah. Because why not? Because that's actually that's probably the big musical number, and it's so much fun. And 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 it has it has a long break. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like there is a long pause between that. So I forgot. I I knew the song continued after that. I forgot how much it continued after that. Right. We're talking about the moment where Bartholomew messes up, right? And we, yes. and we get introduced to the bell and Felicia. Yeah, Felicia yep. the cat. There's a this is another horrifying part. You watch this cat eat a mouse, but like it's done in shadows, and like you see the horrified looks on the uh, faces of uh, this drunk man's Conrad. Now, I gotta I gotta say. By the way, the reason why this guy this mouse is being eaten. Is just because he's drunk as crazy and he calls Radigan a rat. That's it. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that's his. That's his trigger. They set that up. He doesn't like being called a rat. So, so Radigan, it, it, it we get the thing with uh, Flanger Banger and uh, <laughs> Flaversham. Whatever. Right. <clears throat> um, and uh, then. We establish Radigan in his little little palace. There's there's full sized human jewels and money everywhere. Um, Tower bridge. Job. There's there is a uh, champagne uh, fountain, mm-hmm. and everyone just sings a song about how great he is. Yeah, because he tells them, "Hey, sing a song about how great I am." <laughs> I'll feed you to my cat. And if you don't, I'll kill you. By the way, uh, there is a reason why that character was named Bartholomew. Because in his role in The Pit and the Pendulum, the character he was also trying to kill was named Bartholomew. <laughs> <laughs> that Vincent Price's character, sorry, was trying to kill a character named Bartholomew in The Pit and the Pendulum. 
Oh, Bartholomew. Yep. Which is like nice. Again, it's Good as nod. though it's as Good though nod. like Oh you there well the thing is you can tell the people making the movie are fans of Vincent Price, oh, obviously. Yeah. Man's yeah, the man the man was a legend. Man still is a legend. X amount of years after his passing and still a legend. Vincent Price, hundred <clears throat> years. So we go back so, Oh, go ahead. So yeah. Then there's the break in the song. Uh a guy uh Bartholomew who refers to him as a rat which pisses him off to no end because uh, Radigan wants everyone to believe he is a mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, oh, just big an, mouse. Just an enormous, enormous mouse. <laughs> um, uh, he, he rings a bell and has Bartholomew fed to uh, a cat. Uh, Felicia? Yep. Felicia. Yes. Uh, and everyone's horrified. And, and the, the the part I quoted earlier, the even louder will shout it. Uh, he then, after like making them all presumably watch a cat eat one of their friends, makes them continue the song <laughs> about how great he is. <laughs> this is how in control he is, people. He knows what the power he has, and he languishes in it. Or can, languish. Can, can we talk about the fact that he keeps a voodoo doll of Basil <laughs> yes! on his mantle? Uh, Okay, it's not as obsessive as Basil is, but you can tell these two men have some sexual. Sorry, uh, <laughs> this is gonna have, this is gonna have to be explicit. Uh, no, to, it's not. Yes, it's fine. Yes, no, because you know, think of the things we're gonna get into later with this film. Really, they're in the film, though. It's okay. Okay, it's fine. They're very clearly into each other. How much you want to say they're into each other is up to you. I, oh, like, right again. Oh, Radigan, he's a top, and that's that. <laughs> Just make it explicit. It's going to be so much easier on you. Fine. Parental advisory warning for this episode. We imply that they're gay for each other. All right, anyway. It, I mean, um, we, we cut back. Imply my ass. <laughs> so we get back to Basil, and Basil's like, hmm. What would he want with a toy maker? And then we get jump scare. We get fidget jump scare. Yeah, fidget's really bad at this. Fidget is bad at this. He, it's like he's not. There's no reason for him to be there. He just he like, sends. He, he we should be established. He sends fidget with a list to go get some supplies in the earlier that's scene. Right. Yeah, tools, gears, the girl, uniforms. Yeah. So, so apparently he's and stopped- even even though uh, and even though it's not an not an official song. Uh, you mentioned there was only three songs in this film. The song in this film I quoted the most was "I Got the Doors, I Got the Doors, I Got the Girl, I Got the Uniforms." <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Okay, that is good. But it's like it's as though he's like, "Okay, I gotta get this." Oh, look, I see the girl. <sighs> Let me put my face up against the window. Yeah, he's he's not doing. He he goes to Basil's place like a fool, and then, and then gets chased off like a fool, and then they easily follow his tracks. Basil's ready to be on this case, but he actually also finds his hat. Uh, was it Dawson who found the hat? Uh, Dawson finds the hat, and yes. he's like, "Oh, excellent work, old man! Ha ha ha!" So they're about to go off to stop it, and we're going uh, to go to Toby's place. Toby's, um, and then Olivia is going to be joining them, but but Basil but, doesn't want her coming. By the way, which is smart, by the way. Uh, she one of the things like this is a food that now I really want. So uh, Basil has a maid, a landlady, a I landlady, think. yeah, 
and she makes cheese crumpets and wow this made me really want cheese crumpets i don't actually you're making me want cheese crumpets right now i don't know how we're gonna get cheese crumpets. is there somewhere we can go and get cheese crumpets after this (laughs) doesn't like olive garden have something like that we'd have to go to olive garden though so yeah so (laughs) they still bring her this podcast not brought to you by olive garden (laughs) (laughs) olive garden it's gross wait 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 red lobster red lobster has those like cheesy oh yeah i don't know where the closest red lobster is we'll have to figure it out okay okay anyway so they uh go to toby's which turns out toby's is oh basil breaks his violin that part's funny yeah that was funny but then they, but yeah, let's just jump ahead. I love the bit. That is final. You're not coming with us. And that is final. Next scene, they're poking through the secret passage. Olivia's uh, there. I love, I love that scene where he sits on his own violin because he does a thing we've all done in our lives, which is attempt trying to find a way to blame someone around you for yes. something stupid you just did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know what? Movie's only as good as it's it, it, a movie's only as good as its villain. But Basil, Basil's a good Basil, Basil's a good hero to follow. He's amazing. I, I this movie's yeah. great. This movie's great, you guys. This movie's yeah. great. So he sneaks into Sherlock Holmes's home. I'm not kidding. He sneaks into Sherlock Holmes's. Yeah. Home. Well, I mean, they're right up. They're right next. They're in the same complex, basically. So he just moved upstairs, and apparently, in this universe, Watson and Holmes own a dog named Toby. Apparently. Uh, by the way, we do hear Basil Rathbone's voice here, and now. This is edited not from, like, actually one of his films or, like, from radio. This is actually from when he read a Sherlock Holmes story, The Adventure of Red-Headed League. Of the Red-Headed League. The Adventure of the Red-Headed League. Oh, yeah. Uh, in 1966. And this was just months before his death. So you kind of notice his voice is a little off. So the individual um, uh, voicing Dr. Watson, that's not Nigel Bruce. No, I thought so. Um. Good Basil uh, Rathbone cameo, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, they could have borrowed Basil Rathbone. I wouldn't have been funny if he. I mean, Basil Rathbone has been with Disney before because he, he was the narrator oh, for right. uh, the, uh, the Wind in the Willows for but, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. But he's he passed away in, in 1966. Yeah, I know. I realize. I'm just saying it's also, funny because he has worked with them before. Yeah. Also, we are kind of assuming everyone knows Basil Rathbone played oh. the most famous live action portrayal. Trail of Sherlock Holmes. Yes, right. that's and that's the reason why this is the one Sherlock Holmes that uh, that punched Nazis. Exactly, and he and that's the reason why Basil in this movie is called Basil. He is. Art, wait, 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 wait! But but wasn't it based on a series of books? Well, that, you said okay, Basil Baker Street. But yeah, that's she named oh, him. No, that was intentional. The author named the author. That's actually, great. Yeah, she she did that on purpose. She actually named him Basil because of Basil Rapper. That's that, there, that, that's cute. I like that. No, Jout about that. That makes sense. I like that. Um, so they're like, uh, they're they're looking for Toby, and uh, Toby is a adorable um, uh, hound dog. He, what is he? He's, he's kind of a bloodhound. He's a bloodhound. Yeah. And yeah. Smaller. It's a. It, that's a smaller. Uh, no, he's more of a. Uh, he's mixed. He's, he's a he's a mixed breed. He's a, he's a little bit of a mutt, but he he's definitely got bloodhound in him. Because, like, um, he's not as... He's got the stumpy legs. He's like a bloodhound and a dachshund. <laughs> yeah, but he's adorable. Um, but it, it, what's adorable, too, is, first of all, he has... Basset hound? Is it basset hound? He might be a basset Actually, hound. Actually, He's ba- probably a basset hound. Basset hound is more likely. Basset hounds, basset hounds are a little droopier than he is. 
he's a mutt. He must be a mutt then. He's a Toby. Yeah. But did, and he's special in his own way. But point is, Toby, he still has that nose. He has the uh, hunting type nose. It's really distracting to me that his nose has no big nostrils on it. Have you ever noticed? Did you, was was that distracting to you, Alan? He had no nostrils on his big sniffer nose. Uh, I, I mean, like in hindsight, that is a little weird. Well, it's only weird. Like in other Disney movies, they show the dogs and they don't have necessarily big nostrils on their noses. But like we're talking mice at dog, like dog is huge level. So like Toby is massive compared to them, and I just yeah. it just seemed weird to me. By the way, there's this amazing part where you're, like. Uh, he's like, get this! Yes! And he, he's, like, moving the hat. You could, that he- you could see how Basil has, like, effectively trained the dog, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he likes Olivia because Olivia is good with dogs and also has cheese crumpets in her in her coat pocket. And gave him one, and he liked it. So He's adorable. Um, also, he is voiced by stock sound effects from Lady and the Tramp. Yes, he is. And other dog movies Disney has done before. Probably Frank Welker as well. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, and Frank Walker. And yep. Frank Walker. So, um, we got, so, uh, he go, Toby is what helps them go to, uh, where Fidget is, which is actually a toy shop. And, uh, they Sherlock their way into the toy shop. They find the secret sort of glass panel that Fidget used to get in. And Fidget knows they're coming. He hears the dog outside. He's like, oh, I gotta hide, I gotta hide. He drops his list. He's stealing um, the uniforms off of a bunch of uh, toy soldiers. Yes. Yeah. And then he took gears from like some of the toys as well. It's, yep. it's tools, gears, girl, uniforms. uniforms. Tools, check, ears, double check. He's such... Uh, every love- character is good. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, Vidget is someone I would love to cosplay. I would love to dress up as Vidget. I would, I would, I would see, I would, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Use Vidget. Um, so, <laughs> uh... There, he's doing his mystery solving, trying to figure out, hmm, what are they doing trying to take these uniforms? And Fidget's like, oh, snap, what do we do? And I don't know how he does this, but he's- I, I love this. I love the, uh, I, you, you said to me in this moment when we were watching it, this is why I love mouse movies or like, like this, oh, because yeah, yeah. it's great seeing how they have to figure out situations where they deal with human sized things. And I love how big everything in this toy shop is compared to them. Oh, no, that's what I love about it. It's just, how they interact with things that are in a world that's so much bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but some yeah. of these toys are frightening. There's like all these clown dolls. It, and... This movie has some creepy moments. Like that's when we get to the baby yeah. scene, and I'm like, Oh yeah, where where somehow Fidget turned every toy in the store that could wind up on. Yeah, and it's just kind of eerie. And then Dumbo makes a cameo as a toy. Yeah, I thought that was cool. That was cute. Uh, and then Olivia notices the baby thing. How did Fidget know that? Uh, well, okay, that's the... it. Fidget knew how to be a jump. Fidget knows how to be a jump scare. That's his goal in life. He's like, I know exactly how to jump yeah. scare this child, so I'm going to do it. So, yeah, that was the moment that scared me because it does build in dread. Like, oh, I know that that there Fidget's in there. Something's in there. Well, please, it's in there, and of course it is. <sighs> jumps out and. She does a horrifying scream that's actually set to like a violin, if I recall, like a. Yeah. And then we get our first like real live action scene between the mm-hmm. them and it This is good. Yeah, that's good. This is good. This whole thing is good. Like it, just like how they're interacting with like the dolls falling and like the sounds and like being hit by like marbles and stuff like that. It is <laughs> pretty brilliant. Like it's a great action scene. At least in my opinion, but um 
But uh, Candy Candido or Fidget gets away. Um, with the girl in the bag. With the girl in the bag. Cue the... Uh, Alan, any, can you... Can you any, I got the clothes, I got the tools, I got the girl, I got the... (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And this is when, like, Basil is telling, how dare you, you were supposed to pay attention to her, not keep track of her, and he's like, oh, poor girl. It's It's your fault. Yeah, it is your fault. You're you're a war doctor. But... Dawson was the one who found the list when Basil didn't. Just That's like the one really competent thing he does. Well, there's a couple other things, but that's one of them. Uh, yeah. So they have a big lead because of this paper. And that's when they head back to Baker Street. But first, Olivia gets brought before her father. So he can be, she can be used as leverage. Is this the part where they shove her in the, the big glass and bottle? So, and yes. Yeah. And so Radigan can be evil. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, because there's a point where he's talking to Fidget, and uh, Fidget's like, uh-oh. I lost the list. And, you know, oh, he mentions about, oh, I, I love the bit where he's describing the whole scene, and he does the whole, Aroo, 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 Aroo. You're, not you're not coming, coming through. through. Like, you're just, you can tell. <laughs> Vincent Price, man. Vincent Price. Uh, so, uh, he discovers Basil's on the case, and he's about to lose his cool, but then... Decides. He does the same oh, thing. Yeah. And what I love is he does the same thing. But almost he do- he almost does the same thing Basil tries to do, where he's trying to blame someone other than himself. Except in this case, it really was someone else's fault. <laughs> so, so there is a point he's carrying Fidget, and then away, and then bell rings, and that is not Candy Candido screaming. Oh, I know that it's a stock sound effect from the Haunted Mansion. I know this is what one. makes me so happy. I love when there's a Haunted Mansion. That scream, reference. that scream is used from the Haunted Mansion. So. Yep, I All love right. it. I love it. And uh uh Do you guys you guys like you guys like that ride or something? Yeah, yeah you could say that. I know, it's like You could say that. It's like we have a weird obsession or something. It's like we're getting married the day the ride opens. What? Um I mean what? What? Mm-hmm. Uh so Hey hey, uh do 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 you guys have the Haunted Mansion life board game? We yes. do. No, this seems like super unrelated. No, we okay. do. We do, yes. You wanna play it? I'll get the okay. I'll get you something else then. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> hey, we're probably going to have it at the wedding too, if you want to play it. Yeah, we'll. Uh, we're going to have uh, board games um, all set up uh, at the wedding, off to the side, so people can play board games. We're going to have thirteen. Thir- no. We have thirteen dead end drive, and we'll set that up. Nice. Yeah, that was our joint. Uh, what was our anniversary gift to ourselves? Yeah, it was it? an anniversary yeah. gift to ourselves. So. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time. I don't know if we'll have time to play it, but I am going to bring Throw Throw Burrito. Ooh, awesome! The uh, it, it just came out. I, I kickstarted it. It's yeah. I just, Please do so, if you can. Uh, we could. So I, I just realized. Anyway, our, our, anyway, our next. You realize that the next time, or most likely the next time we do uh, one of the full Animusings. Oh, that's so, right. So our next one, uh, our next one will be Oliver and Company uh, for August. We're gonna be married. Uh, wow. Why should Why should I care? You shouldn't. Care. Why should you worry? What? Why should I worry? <laughs> why should I care? I mean, I have a dime, but I got street savoir fair. So, um, so uh, so Felicia tries to eat fidget. It's way less gruesome than when he ate tried when the cat tried to eat Bartholomew. But that's is when. But that's because that poor bat is trying to fly out of there so bad. Vincent Price comes up with an idea and realizes how he can trap Basil. Okay. How did he have that realization just knowing that Basil is probably going to find him because of Fidget's mistake? Yeah, but I, I think it was more like an, less of a plan and more like 
you know what? If we lead him here, we're just going to trap him here. He can't do anything. I think it was more the realization, like, wait, what's he going to do once he finds me? Yeah, good point. So let's just... Let Basil come to me. Um, Then we get a scene where Basil basically... I, I actually really like the transition between these two scenes because oh. it holds on uh, Radigan's eyes. Oh, yeah! For longer. Like, that, like, everything else fades except Radigan's eyes, and they're, like, superimposed over the lamp in Basil's study. And then the eyes actually, like, shift a little bit, and then they fade out last, which I thought was really cool for a dissolve. That was, that was yep. like, a creepy dissolve. I love it. Um, but, the yeah, this part is where he basically does a bunch of science-y stuff. He goes off Sherlock. This is, like, a... This is, this is very... This is the most Sherlock-y thing that uh, Basil, I think, does yeah. in this. Like, he's, like, examining the letter to figure out where this bat has been or where can he go next to, and he... Uses science and stuff to discover that he is not far from the that he, one of the places he frequences quite a bit or fidget frequents quite a bit is a seedy bar in the waterfront, and that's our next scene. And this is great. <laughs> this scene is wow. Um, <laughs> them them in disguise going to the. So first off, this. Why is- did Disney want us to? animals <laughs> oh, boy. so first off first off um, uh, it started with Robin Hood first off so we get to like this scummy bar and you realize wow the 80s were amazing because they would not allow this scene now there is Everybody is drinking, they're smoking, there's like... What a great... This place is called The Rat Trap, by the way. Yeah, great name, by the way. But, yeah, I, it, it's basically, they're going into figure, figure find, try to find Fidget and possibly... Figure out where Radigan's lair is, basically. Yeah. And, again, here's... This is the part that bothers me with Dawson. Dawson is so incapable. It's like, oh yeah, well he's quite British and stuff like that. It's like, no, 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 no. This would be Dawson's turn. Like in in typical Sherlock Watson, Watson would be like in his element here. He'd be the one to be like, yeah, I can, um, I know how to be normal. Where Sherlock, I know, I know how to be inconspicuous. Exactly. Where Sherlock would be like, hmm, maybe if we do it this way, it's like Sherlock, calm down. Let me do this. Mm-hmm. And but because, um, go ahead. N- no. I- uh, you're exactly right, uh, and I think a big part of it is they show a scene where, uh, they, they right off the bat are not super good at their disguise, and, uh, like, Watson orders, like, a sherry. I'm gonna yeah, draw a sherry, and... Uh, and he's... Like, uh, so when their drinks are being prepared, they are poisoned, but they say they're being poisoned. Watson downs his whole drink. I, I think they're just roofied. Yeah, that's basically the impression and I'm getting. Those are some light roofies because that does not last long. Yeah, not for not for Dawson. No, and the, Dawson just was like, "Eh, it affects me a little bit, and now I'm good." Uh, but this is so. Um, this is kind of a a, a cab racing. So <laughs> when they first go in, there's like a variety show going. There's an octopus juggling. Yeah, it's little... it's uh it's it's more burlesque then. Yeah. So then yeah. we get a lady to cut. Well, for, there's there's briefly the the octopus finishes, the piano player is very nervous, but yeah, he he ends with a little bit of you know, it's not great. And then they this is the part where Candy Candido gets his one line, you know. Get off, you scum. 
Yep. All right. Then oh, we get right. the toad. We get the the double toad act that is immediately turned down. Then we get the burlesque act with the with the, so the mouse this, lady. This is the second big number, and it's called "Let Me Be Good to You." Kayla's been like like vibrating so- <laughs> with anticipation to talk about this. So first off, this song was originally going to be sung by Madonna, <laughs> but didn't feel it was contemporary enough. They almost considered Liza Minnelli, but then went with Melissa Manchester, who actually wrote the song mm. um, and sang it. So Let Me Be Good To You is basically a I'm going to s- relax because I'm going to sex you up tonight. Yeah, no, it is by far the horniest song in all <laughs> yeah. of Disney. And honestly, no, no, no. There's been times. It's funny because like. There, a lot of people will joke like, oh, I totally want to do Disney karaoke. Wouldn't that be fun if we did Disney karaoke? I'm like, oh, my body is down to do Disney karaoke because I'm so going to do this song. Because <laughs> so there is a <laughs> the whole song is like, again, a cabaret. And there is a point where she actually. Th- OK, so the line itself is, um, hey, fellas, I'll take off all my blues. Not clothes, it's blues, but... It you, sounds you like... Know. She is, uh, I I also, I want to point out, she is wearing blue clothes yes, in that scene. That is true. So, and you know that originally it was supposed to be clothes. There's, you cannot tell me otherwise, because there's a point where she takes off her skirt and throws it to the crowd during this point. If I do this karaoke, I am saying clothes. I am going to say that. Oh, uh, man. No, this song is great. Like, this is probably the horniest, sexiest Disney song I've ever heard in my life. And it's amazing. And it's catchy. And it's fun. And it almost got cut. <laughs> of course it almost got cut. The lyrics and some of the animation was considered too risky for Disney animated family features. And they wanted to avoid a PG rating. But they got the scene kept in by appealing to the censors on the grounds that it was a cabaret song and harmless in lyrics, I'm sure. And because the character animated singing it was a mouse and not a human and therefore not a question. Yeah. (laughs) They have no idea what kind of fire they're playing with, do they? No. It's not not weird that I want to f*** a mouse now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, listen to this song guys i really like this both this and uh uh world's greatest criminal are two amazing numbers like well every song okay there's three songs every song in this movie is a gem yeah just like and then there there's the point where like so Dawson is drugged, and he's like, "Jolly good ladies, jolly good, oh bravo!" He gets and up he on stage gets with up them. On the stage. Meanwhile, Basil's spotted Fidget, and then because um, because the drug has made by the way he- Dawson even even more of a an idiot, uh, he falls off the stage, crashes in the piano. Someone tries to the. Barman, the piano player tries to hit him with a stick. The stick hits the, another dude. The dude tries to punch them, punches the piano. Some stuff goes flying. Inevitably, and and a, bar, a bar fight breaks out. I like the fact there is a point where you see Bidget, or not Bidget, uh, Fidget at the bar just casually drinking while there's a, a bunch of bar fights going. People are, people are pulling pistols and shooting out lights. It's great. Like, and then... This is a good bar by fight. The, by the way, in the course of like two minutes, 
Dawson has been drugged, gone up on stage, made a fool of himself, fallen to the ground, and Basil come on like Dawson, Dawson, wake and up! He's like, him out oh, of it. oh, what, 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 what happened? And I'm like, maybe he didn't. Wow. Drink, maybe he didn't drink as much as we thought. It, yeah, or they didn't put that much in it. I don't know, but like, well, it, it's almost like wow, this drug is very ineffective, and if it only lasted two minutes, I don't know. It's bizarre. So we go to um They find the trap door behind the bar that takes them to the sewers. And that's where Fidget's going in. Oh the, the Fidget's rendition of the song is so much better. <laughs> Let me be good to you. Like you wanna boom 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 on, drink your beer. Your baby's here. <laughs> <laughs> so they're following him and they're getting led. I wanna f a bat, what? <laughs> <laughs> see it just works it's not how you it's not about the it's not about how you sing it it's about the lyrics yeah <laughs> but remember the lyrics aren't exactly questionable i'm like i'm remember sorry. it's a mouse singing it so it's okay I'll take off all my blues good job hey, good job fellas, Disney. there's nothing i wouldn't do just for you. <laughs> so dream. I'll take off all my blues. So dream on and drink your beer. <laughs> Get ready. Your baby. You. <laughs> so anyway. So anyway, they're uh, going through the pipes to eventually end up right outside. Um, Radigan's penthouse. Lair, whatever. Bar. And they see what they think is Olivia in a green bottle, and then it's like it turns turns around in her clothes, and it's like it's, it's just fidget. Surprise! It's fidget in disguise. Surprise! I'm actually okay. Can can we appreciate the amount of effort uh, Radigan put into all of this? He got a banner with Basil's name on it. He got balloons. He had time to record himself singing a song about Basil before Basil showed up. Well, he was 15 minutes late, so... Would he have been able to... Of course he did. That's his, that's his boo. <laughs> <laughs> 15, 15 minutes, minutes late as usual. Mm. Mm. But they're, again, just this... Ah, uh, the sexual tension between them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I won! <laughs> and they all laugh and poor Basil is down again. I like how this is what defeats Basil, just people laughing at him. But he walked into a very obvious <laughs> trap, so this is a big bruise for his ego. Uh, so Basil and Dawson are being trapped again, and they're about to be put into this timed um, death trap. Death trap. What, what is there's a there's a word for it. It's a you know a Rube Goldberg machine. Thank you. Uh, in a Rube Goldberg death trap machine. Basically, he talks about how he always fantasized about what way he'd kill Basil, but he decided he wanted to use all of them. So I, I fantasized about the way I would make sweet... Uh, I mean, kill you, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, so he found many ways to do so, along with putting up a camera to take a picture when it happens. So um, it has been figured out that what he's going to do and what he has been planning all along is he has kidnapped Hiram um, to... Make a, uh, I guess a robot. Play, to... Flavor saver, right? <laughs> <laughs> a robot to look like, uh, the, um, uh, the queen. 
who is having her diamond jubilee that night, and basically kidnap the queen and use the diamond ju or the diamond jubilee as a way for robot queen to say, "Okay, this is my consulate." I'm turning all my power over to him. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And uh but and use that to basically take over all of England or Yeah, there's a whole scene in here where he's Well, before before we get to that though, he gets the record player going and it's Can we talk about goodbye so soon? Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> this so is soon. This is so endearing cuz he's like I finally get to record this song for Basil. Yeah, you oh, followed, yes. You followed me. I followed you. We were like, like each other's shadows for a while. <laughs> God. He had the time to get a, a band together and record a song that he wrote for Basil. He's he he he's not just obsessed. He's in love with this man, this mouse. This is his bay. And it's this like is his bay. If, no one, if if he can't have him, no one can. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Um, the. Th- all three, well, okay, and yeah, we'll count the four, we'll count, uh, we'll count Fidget's little, uh, song. All four songs in this movie are, are great. Yeah. They're great songs. So, we, so, uh. And he has a little airship, isn't that cool? Radigan has an airship. Yeah. That he's pedal powered. So good. Uh, I, so, uh, apparently Basil, during the death trap going off, figures out how to set off the trap and that well, gets- Well, no, it takes Dawson- like, basically oh. yelling at him to get him out of his doldrums, and it's the thing he says about- Oh, look, Dawson's actually useful right now. That whole thing about- the whole pep talk about, well, if you're feeling like that, well, maybe we should just set the trap off now. And I love the manic look that he gets on his face, like, yes, yes, we'll set the trap off now! And it's like, wow, Basil, you are- that close-up scares me. Yeah. Uh, is this even feasible? Now he would figure it out, wouldn't he? I do like this part. The whole Rube Goldberg machine thing? Yeah, where he- Gets it at just the right time to trigger. It's like crazy. It's like a crazy moment, and I dig it. Yeah. Uh, Smile, everyone. Pshoo. Yep. Disables a trap. Saves Olivia. Um. They get Toby and Hiram, and they make a beeline for Buckingham Palace. Well, no, Hiram's at Buckingham Palace. Oh no, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, they're able to save the Queen because Toby. Uh, well, because the Queen is about Fidget's like grabbing the Queen, about to throw her to the kitty. Yeah, kitty's ready to eat. Okay, I have to. I have to mention this next part. Okay, because it's it's not a moment. I've seen this movie quite a few times, and this is not a moment before that I ever clocked. But there is a moment for the first time in this movie that made me have to pause and laugh so hard. Okay, (laughs) it is uh, when when the mechanical queen introduces Radigan. And just that shot of him bursting out from behind the curtain in that outfit. <laughs> Boom! He's got like the the sheen with, all, with like all the with like all the medals and stuff, <laughs> and just the look on his face. I was started just dying. You can tell he's planned this. Like he's that moment. He's just like, "Hey, everybody! Ah, oh. <laughs> check me out!" <laughs> <laughs> the way he's frozen and then with that smile on his face it's so good oh my god you're absolutely right um the um there's there's something i need to address with you all um is the queen mouse actually 60 years old or has she actually reigned for 60 years yes 
in mouse years? Mice don't live that long. In this world, they do. She's pretty healthy for a over 60-year-old mouse. I mean... Yeah, well, it's a cartoon. Just repeat to yourself, it's just a show. You should really just relax. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but they go to, they're, they're gonna feed the queen to the mouse. But that's when. Toby comes in. Oh, no, no, no. Well, Toby, Toby hasn't come in quite yet. Did they, oh, is it? No, I'm trying to remember what happens oh, no, exactly. Because, no, no, uh, they grab, uh... they grab, so they get in there and uh, I think they grab the queen and then Fidget almost falls into, to- <laughs> into Felicia's mouth. Yes. And then, then Toby runs up and scares the cat and they run, she chases, chases the cat off. Uh, then they go and, uh, interrupt the speech while, uh, Radigan is making all his new proclamations about how there's going to be attacks on the elderly, the infirm, and children. We are choice of people. By the way, by the time, by the time they cut back to his speech, he's on like item like 60 something of his list, isn't he? I think it was 93. What else had he said up to that point? <laughs> we don't even get item one. Item one. And then it cuts away and we don't even know what else is on his list. You're abs- like, what if it was what if what if everything else he said was like really boring, like bureaucratic stuff that would actually have helped the kingdom? That, I mean that's true. It's possible. <laughs> then it gets to like ninety-four. Tax all the poor and the infirm and the Tax children. It's like, How much you want to bet? Like item forty nine. Like, withdraw all forces from other foreign lands and give them back to their original peoples. Bring all, bring all of the Great Britain back to its own shores. You know, ending like the, the item Brit- number item number fifty. Cease having extravagant celebrations such as this. <laughs> That's taxpayer money that we could be putting towards other things. up until then everyone was just like up until then everyone in the crowd was just like huh okay (laughs) and then it's that point where he's like well have we ever established what kind of a professor radigan actually is he's professor radigan is he a professor of like um is he like a is he like an ethics professor again (laughs) he he calls himself a mouse too don't did he study law (laughs) He studied political science. He's a poli... <laughs> <laughs> really, we should be doing what the colonies are doing. Oh, wait, what am I still calling them the colonies? They're already an independent. Over in the Americas, they've got things figured out. I want to bring that sort of thing here. Create a democracy, you know. <laughs> I'm formally dissolving the royal, the royal blood, and uh, we're establishing a parliament in which I will be the prime minister. That's all he wanted to do. If you're if you're wondering my qualifications to be prime minister, uh, listen to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> prime Minister Radigan, I want to see that alternate reality where he won. He actually did was win. But yeah, I'm, I'm accepting this headcanon now. A while until he mentions uh, taxing the children, the poor and elderly. I mean, that's when we lost, and we're like, okay, now you're insane. Um, well, I think they really lost him when they realized he'd replace the queen with a robot duplicate because yeah. that's when like. Basil comes in and has the the queen start insulting Sue Radigan. Rat. And then chaos. Arrest him! And but there's no guards to arrest him because all the guards are Radigan's people in the disguises. But there's going to be a citizens arrest. And then, yeah, there is. Uh, Radigan hops on people's heads to get to the other side. 
Why did the Radigan cross the room? Cross, jump on people's heads to get to the other side. Uh, Fidget escapes and kidnaps Olivia again. They really need to stop bringing her with them. And, uh, she's yeah. just a, she's just a liability at this point. Yeah. And once again, they kidnapped Olivia Flaverstam. Flaversham. And they're. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, they're like, don't do anything or the girl dies. And they escape on their, uh, airship. Airship. To which... Oh, by the way, uh, during this, Toby has chased uh, Felicia away, but she jumps on a wall and she looks all satisfied. Jumps into the royal dog kennels on accident. Presumably is ripped to pieces. Yep. Poor, poor Felicia. In the <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so um, then we have then we have this great like chasing between. They've, they've had they've tied like what is it a book? Uh, between some balloons? Yeah, using And a thrown flag a Union Jack the, over them? Using the Union Jack flag to hold up the balloons and then <laughs> use them to chase after his airship. People are looking up in the sky like, huh, you don't see that every day. You never too. see a human anywhere. Because they're all the Diamond Jubilee for Queen Queen Victoria. So, yes. um, This is a good chase scene. This is a great... And the music is... Yeah, they see... Music they, is swelling. They're... they're going really fast through zipping around it's 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 awesome i love this oh. this movie's great there's some there's some there's some uh, uh there's some good chasing music but i almost would have liked to see in an alternate take of the scene uh where there's no chase music and all you can hear is like the balloon fart noise <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do hear it it's pretty great you do i just think i just think it would be like one thousand times a more hilarious scene. Oh yeah! <laughs> By the way, we get our first. Uh, if that was the if that was the only noise, <laughs> we we get our uh, fourth villain plummet here. When- oh yeah, yeah. So Kayla and I were having a big debate about this. Alan, maybe you can help us out. So we've we've decided that prior to this, there's been three plummets on our plummet counter in Disney history. One was the Evil Queen. One was Lucifer. Okay. And, and one was Maleficent. So. Lucifer, it's hard because he does come back in the sequels. That I don't count the sequels as canon. Yeah, no, no sequels. IMDb apparently does because they have their own plummet counter, and, and they're wrong because Lucifer fell. They don't show Lucifer hit the ground, so the intention at the time was that Lucifer fell to his death. Yes. So I, that, I, I am agreeing with you. Good, thank you. Um, and then the reason I say Maleficent, I. Yes, she was stabbed, but she falls after that. And I, I gave, I, yeah. I gave, I acquiesced to that one. Yeah, uh, I'll count it. And okay. Now, with this one with Fidget, I think this counts as a plummet counter because it doesn't have to be a main villain. It just he, they have to be a villain. And presumably, the villain can't fall to their defeat. They have yeah. to fall to their death. Presumed, yeah. presumed death. And since we never see yeah. Fidget again after uh, Radigan lightens the load and throws him off of the Zeppelin. So he tries to fly, but he has a broken arm, and then he just falls. Poor Fidget. Yeah. Uh, On to second banana heaven. (laughs) On to second banana Uh, Let's uh, take a moment to tick up the uh, the plummet counter to four. So, uh, then this leads into more chasing... So... Somehow it gets there. 
his airship rams into Big Ben. Uh, Radigan is not looking where he's going while he's biking because he's looking back at Basil because they've almost caught up. And Olivia, Olivia screams, and that's what notifies Radigan that they're about to basically uh, crash right into the face of Big Ben. And they do. How does um, Basil get stuck into... Um, Basil, I guess, was about to... Maybe he jumped on the... I think he had kind of, sort of, jumped onto the... I'm sorry, I'm forgetting how this happened. Okay, I'm thinking right at that moment, like, when they're about to crash, he had jumped onto the, um... Uh, oh, he he jumped and he grabbed onto the, like, the back, uh, strut of the airship right oh, at that yeah. moment. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Then they crash through and break into the clock face of, uh, of Big Ben. And this... This is one heck of an amazing climactic scene. Wow. Right. By the way, um... I really like how throughout this, from the moment his plan was foiled to as it g- proceeds through this scene, Radigan has become more and more unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's pretty great. So when we get to this part where they're in the clock gears, which are a really good use of uh, simple computer computer generated imagery here. Yeah, this is actually. Yep. This is the this is really seamless here. Like it's weirdly done. Wow, like it really feels like it's part of the animation mm-hmm. here. Yeah, Basil regains consciousness on a clock here. Yeah, se- seamless, seamless 1980 CGI in an animated film is not something you see very, very, very often. It's but true. this is really well done. This it's is. really well done. You can suspend disbelief pretty easily with this. Yes, because I think it's because it's so simple. It's just it's just gears given cell shading. Um, but yep. this, this leads to an incredible, like very tense, like fight scene uh slash chase scene where like they're like uh uh radigan has olivia and she bites his hand and he throws her and she's about to be squished by one of the gears and basil just catches her in time and oh that's and that's after he they they scuffle for a bit he and uh basil and uh radigan and basil actually gets radigan's cape caught in a clock gear yeah so he's stuck and then he escapes on the chain. He like kicks a thing, gets a chain, saves Olivia, and they're riding up the clock face. And Radigan, this is the point where Radigan really snaps. And they're running. It's like it's raining outside, and there's thunder and lightning, and they're just running out. And then Radigan just gets so angry, and he breaks his cape, his clothes rip, and he just goes into full. He's sp- full feral rat sewer rat mode now. And he's chasing. All the decorum is gone. So, uh, Basil's out, and he's trying to pass off Olivia to, uh, Hiram and, um, uh, Dawson, and just couldn't, barely out of reach until, um... Radigan tackles him from behind? And it, 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 it propels Olivia this is, to this is, arms, but... This is supposed to, I mean, this is great, because, like, you know, if we're going with the Holmes period, this is the Reichenbach Falls. Oh, yeah, this is the part where, like, and yeah. they are, the fight scene is... That looks brutal. Like, like they look. That look. This is like a legit tense fight. Basil scene. can't really fight back either. He's small compared to Radigan. Oh yeah. Radigan is just, just he, Radigan beating the crap claws. out, beating the crap out of him. He has claws. You could like just like like. He's tearing Basil's clothes up and like. There's no blood, but man, he can. He's, he's basically evi- trying to eviscerate. This is this part is so good. Yeah. And then. Basil falls, and Radigan thinks he's won, and he even says that. It's like, I've won! <laughs> and you see Basil holding on to, just barely holding on to the, uh... He's on the broken uh, propeller. Yeah, he's like, on the... the contrary, the game's not over yet! And he holds the bell that he uses for Felicia, or that Radigan used for Felicia, rings it, and then clock strikes ten! Like, the timing's perfect. Yes. And Radigan falls. 
This a is lot. a lot, but as he falls, he grabs Basil. Basil's the the thing Basil's holding onto tears off, and they both disappear into the clouds below. Um, plummet counter gets set to five. There we go. That is a that's a good plummet. That's a good plummet. Exeunt Professor Radigan. Um, and presumably Basil. And presumably. But wait! But wait! There is a. It's a fake out! Oh, shocking! Because we can. Because this is the point when Disney's like, we can't kill a main character. Well, they they set it up nicely though, because he fell while holding the propeller thing. Yeah. The and, bicycle propeller thing. So. That, I, honestly, it's for the best that that didn't happen anyway. So, I, like, there's. Yeah, yeah, but like. Hey, what do we think of this whole thing now that we're kind of at a climax? I mean, this whole big fight. It is so good. Um, I loved it. I loved it so much. I will say, like, I have kind of some agita about heights. Yeah. Oh. And, like, specifically, I don't know if this, it doesn't, like, typically bother me in movies. But specifically, like, when they're on the balloon thing and he's pedaling up on the uh, propeller thing. I was like, this really bothers me for some reason. Oh no! <laughs> Gosh, that they're that they're on that that they're on this like unsecured. I think it was a, I think I don't think it was a book. It was a matchbox, wasn't it? It, it was, was a matchbox. matchbox. Yeah, and they're just all standing on the matchbox, and it looks very very unsecured, like like it could fall apart at any moment. And he's pedaling up on this like propeller thing. And I'm just watching that like this. I don't know why this bothers me so much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, I there's the, that's to the credit of the the people drawing this. Like that, that, that the spaces feel huge, and and the drop feels impossible, and that's it's it's scary. It is. Um, yeah. So we cut to both. But no, overall, overall amazing. Um, yes. Freaking Vincent Price n- uh, nailing transformation to this like smooth aristocratic. Uh, character and just basically a freaking monster. Yeah, because that's absolutely the, the kind of thing Vincent Price was born to do. Exactly. <laughs> he he nails it. He nails it every. And this is such. This is might be one of my favorite like final battles, final confrontations in a in a Disney movie. It's my favorite so far of all the ones we've watched. Yes, for sure. I agree. Um, just the tension is so good, and the way that they've, even though they haven't interact, you don't see them interact that much. The rapport between these two characters and their is established really well in this movie. First off, one is and their their rivalry. They are, they're um okay. It's strange because usually you try to get two. Um, they say that the best uh, antagonists and protagonists are people who are the opposites of each other. They are not very different. They are both extreme personalities. That are very charismatic, very over the top, but they work. It's weird. Like you can believe why they would hate each other. You can believe it's it's as though they're like cut from the same cloth, but one went the good route while the other went the bad route, mm-hmm. and it's just so. When you see these fight, these two, these two people fight, or are these two characters fight? It's like. It's been building up to this. Yeah, it's cathartic. It is. Um, so yeah, so we jump ahead at like an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, probably like a day or two. Um, yeah, they've been. I think they they get honored by the queen. It's in the paper, and Basil puts the bell 
up on the his on, mantle on his uh, uh, nearby his uh, worship. Uh, is is the is the is the picture of Radigan still there? I didn't see it. He probably took it down. He's like, I don't need to worry about Radigan no more. I can't obsess over my shrine, but I need to have something to remember it by. <laughs> we did mention Hey Arnold earlier, maybe before we started this call, but like I'm suddenly thinking about the shrine to Arnold. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um. So Olivia and and uh, Hiram uh, are gonna catch a train and they leave, but Olivia has her you know heartfelt goodbye with her her two her her two protectors, her two sort of honorary heroes. Hero, her two heroes. That, by the way, they were also knighted by the queen. They were knighted. Yes, that show, is shown in a newspaper that they read. Right. Um. But as they're leaving. And or, as uh, Dawson's, Dawson's, well, actually, as Dawson's getting ready to leave, and and, and uh, Basil's a little bit like, well, um, I mean, um, I suppose. Uh, and then that's when another a woman shows up, and she says she needs to see Basil Baker Street. And then that's when Basil says, um, "This is Doctor Dawson, who joins me in all of my cases." And Dawson's like, "Oh, well, yes, yes, I would." So that's when you realize a partnership was formed. Ah, and. And Dawson continued to be really bad at everything forever. Yeah, hopefully he becomes more of a Watson in the future, but I don't know. That's where it ends. And this was good. I, I, I like this. I really love this movie. I'm not going to lie. I really love Me this too. Movie. Me three. Uh, you want to know how well it did? How well did it do? You want? Uh, let's take our bets, peoples. Um, I want to say it did marginally well. Okay. Like, I don't think it was a smash hit. But I feel like um, it must have done better than. There's no way, and there's no way it could have done worse than the Black Cauldron. So I'm going to say it did above average. How about you, Alan? Uh, I'm going to say yeah, it did. It did good numbers, especially after. Uh, I'm going to say this movie put faith back into the Disney Animation Studio. And uh, all both of you are correct. Oh, good. So it received very positive feedback. Reviewers saw it as memorable. They saw a they a lot of them said there was a range of emotion that they liked, and they did love the characters. Uh, it was a moderate success. It grossed fifty million worldwide, and actually, this gave Disney a little bit more confidence in their uh, animation department. So yeah, that's wonderful. I find it strange because this like um. I, I, not as much as the rescuers, because um, when you re, like Dave and I rewatched the rescuers, and it's okay. But it, um, do you think the rescuers could exist in the same universe as this? Uh, like this a, happened it, in the a, past it, of that it, same universe. It, it could. You know what? Yes, I think so. But I feel like they because it's in two different worlds. But yeah, I could see that being like a nineteen sixties version of. Well, like yeah, like like. Um, in that universe, um, well, in the past, they, there once existed well, they, they Basil of Baker Street. Well, the, actually, with this one though, there are only mice that communicate with each other. Have you? Well, no, 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 because no, 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 because no, no, there's there's an octopus, there's a toad, oh, and there's point, and, and there's Fidget the bat, and but the cat is doesn't talk. The cat is just a. Uh, it, it, it's just cat's, cat. cat's just a monster. Cat's just a monster. Where maybe if you remember in the rescuers, there is a cat in there. But Ruf, but they were worried about Rufus. But Rufus ended up being a nice cat. But yeah, it, because he talks. Maybe Felicia doesn't talk. Maybe she's just yeah. That, it, it's the whole goofy Pluto scenario. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Who knows? Maybe there. It, it is possible. It could be possible that they're in the same universe. I just, I, I, they, they might. They're probably not. I just like the idea. It could be. It actually, I could see that actually. Um, Alan, thank you for joining us on this. Oh wait, 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 wait. I do want to say one thing about this viewing that I didn't. Oh, go I didn't ahead. Get a chance to. Um, I don't know if as a kid I ever watched the full closing credits, so I never heard the great sort of like Disney classic Disney vocal crooning version of goodbye so soon oh yes and it made me very yep. happy that was great um also uh i wanted to point this out did you notice the whole film takes place at night it, even when it's on different days it's always at night never. well no well i still think it all took it pl- place over the course of one night all of it all right i'm with alan on uh, this one too like i think we're, we're on the same page about that right sort of there is the fact that uh it is mentioned that the the sixty year ball is the next night, unless they're starting starting it early. Like it could be that thing where it starts at midnight. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But then the clock struck yeah. ten, and that was what killed Radigan. Uh, so, so um, I actually looked this up, and it does say um, when it takes place. Uh huh. Like over the court, the number of days it does take place over. Okay. And uh, is this verifiable? Yes, because it's based on the newspapers that they read. Oh, okay. It takes place from June nineteenth to June twenty-first. Really? Yeah, eighteen ninety-seven. So it takes place over nineteen, twenty, twenty-three oh, days. Okay, so we can maybe the so let's presume that the so, first night is just them going to like clearly that first the, night. The first night is a uh, uh, flavor saver getting kidnapped. Fla- Flaversham? Flaversham getting kidnapped. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's him getting kidnapped and them going to Basil and then the toy shop thing. Is that all the first night? But then it happened. But then uh, they, he said the next day. So June 20th would have clearly been the day that the queen becomes uh, part of the Jubilee or has her Jubilee. Okay, so here's here's my and thought. That, that, would mean, that would mean 21st is just like the epilogue scene. Yeah, the epilogue is the 21st. Yes. But so... so so Olivia is kidnapped at the end of the first night and taken, and that's when when when, ba- when he goes and says, "I want it done tonight to Flavorsham." I mean, since it's past midnight, that's what he means. Oh, that's what I think. And then, unless, huh? Okay, I, yeah, that sounds right. My, no, that's that makes sense. My thought is, it was over the course of a day that, like, during the day that uh, after he's uh, he's been kidnapped, or or not, he's been kidnapped uh, that. They caught Basil and Dawson, and then during the day they have trapped them and like have been preparing and all that. And, uh, oh, maybe, maybe. And Basil's been catatonic. Maybe. Hmm. Perhaps. For snaps. Uh, or, or if we want to, if we want to delve into it a little bit more, it could be the fact that, um, nineteenth uh, is when uh, Hiram gets kidnapped, and then it's the next day. The night of the ju- well, but that—that's a long night. Well, we'll have then, to look at well it again. Before ten p.m., they were able to get. Hey, if, if if you have a clear sense of the timeline, you want to look for this. If you're watching the movie again, please, uh, please give us your thoughts about when this takes place. I don't know why this is so important, but it really is. <laughs> so uh, again, Alan, thank you. You've been a great guest on this. Ah, uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, you know, around. Good. Oh, I think... Does, I, that, does that mean if I look under my bed, I'll 
find you there? Why don't you take a look, buddy? <laughs> no, I'm scared. Chop scares. Pops out like fidget. fidget. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> uh, t- um, we can- so I know that if Alan is uh, the co-host of uh, Unencrypted Analysis, uh, he also has a- another podcast. I'm gonna just start plugging you, buddy. You start plugging yourself. Uh, I also fine. I also host Coffee and Pie. That's a podcast too, where I don't know. We talk about poop. Um. Uh, and, and you tweet Shaq sometimes. Uh, we tweet Shaq every episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just, I that—that's enough. <laughs> Cre- right. Creepy, creepy pictures. He does a lot. You can find him. Uh, uh, dude, just come talk to me. See what's going on. Yeah, okay. Go talk to him. Do you, uh, you want to know what I'm up to? Slide into my DMs. Uh, <laughs> Alan's Alan's approachable. Yes. So our next one, like I mentioned before, uh, is uh, Oliver and Company. Yeah. And uh, that'll be in August. And uh, also, uh, we got a couple, I think we we have one or two uh, extras coming up, or Animusings Plus, so... Yeah, look forward to that. Same. This is when uh, um, Oliver and Company I also have a history with, um, but we'll get into that in the next episode. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so we better fly on out of here. Um, Alan, can we let's get that let's get that balloon deflated. We need more speed. Okay. <laughs> like wrestling well i'm here to tell you about massive buds wrestling show i'm brendan creasy and you may know me from podcasts such as radio brendo man popsicles and mbws in its former names but we're still here and now we're massive buds wrestling show my friend keith gomez and i talk about the latest in wwe southern california indie wrestling and cannabis yeah that's right i said cannabis check us out massive buds wrestling show mbwspod.com or benviewnetwork.com and of course on apple podcasts and all podcast services This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.